When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Starting off the week with a big time episode of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast. The Bills were in pads today. There is a ton to get to. We are cooking, we are cruising on Shout a Buffalo Bills Insider Text Group. Uh, you can join right now. I've been sending off texts all morning long. I already see a couple comments here. Loving the text. Everybody that joins the Insider Text Group gets everything that we are doing first. And you can do it by uh, going to joinsubtext.com backwards slash shout Buffalo Bills. You can sign in online there or just text 716-528-6727. We've been talking to people all day. Ryan, I saw right before we started here, you were, uh, your, your typing hands were busy. You were getting back to everybody uh, uh, getting ready. And we're going to answer questions on the show too. Yeah, I uh, made sure to go in and answer as many questions as I could for the Bills Mafia. Um, loving the back and forth of this, Matt. Loving the interactions with the Bills fans. I see Kate in here. I see Gigi with great messages. So uh, thank you, Bills Mafia, for all that support. And then, like you said, Matt, you've been filling up those uh, subtexts with a lot of observations already today. Yeah, we got a lot to get to, and we got to start right from the jump here um, with the Josh Allen situation at the end of practice, it was one of those moments where I think everybody in attendance from uh, fans, media, coaches, staff, everybody kind of sat on their hands for a second and panicked because, you know, the franchise quarterback was down uh, for a few moments there. So what happened was the Bills ran a trick play. Can't get into the details of, of what that was for obvious reporting reasons. Uh, but at the end of it, Josh Allen was trying to catch a pass as part of the trick play. And Taron Johnson was doing his job. He was defending him. Man, Taron, Josh got that red jersey on for a reason. That's one of those ones where you just kind of have to almost, uh, you know, pull up a little bit short, but he comes crashing into Allen to defend the pass, ends up landing awkwardly on top of him. And in that moment, like Allen was down for a few moments. I mean, he at first I thought maybe the wind was knocked out of him. Then when he stood up, it looked like maybe he was pointing to his leg, had kind of a slight limp. Before long, he started walking along the sideline, 
looked like he was okay. Then he walked over to um, where the offense stands at about the 30-yard line, continued to look better and better. When he was walking up the, the, the field, it looked like he had a slight limp still. And you're like wondering, like, okay, what's going on here? He went over and he signed autographs for a good, like, five to ten minutes. Then he walked all the way up the pathway to the locker room. And I was watching him the whole way. It looked like there wasn't a lot of problems um, walking. Didn't seem like that limp still existed. Then he went to an interview with the CBS uh, crew that was there. And he was walking almost up a little grass hill there to get to the interview. And he looked fine. So it seems like crisis uh, averted here. But it's one of those things where you just, all right, what are you doing there? I, I, I understand Taryn, like playing through the whistle. I mean, having the red jersey, I get having that. But sometimes you're out there things are moving hundred miles an hour. I get not being able to kind of pull up short there, but maybe if you're Ken Dorsey, maybe don't leave those trick plays in the, in, in the back and, and, until the season gets underway. Yeah. Leave the franchise alone. Don't let him get into those situations where uh, he's taking those hits. And again, you said he's wearing the Jersey. He's not supposed to be taking said hits. Uh, but when, when you run those trick plays, sometimes players might forget what, you know, who's out there, who's doing what, and it leads to situations like this, but uh, definitely something where I'm sure all the fans in attendance, the players, the personnel, you name it, were holding their breath until they saw that he was up. He was OK. And like you said, as more time went on, he was moving without a limp. He was doing interviews, getting everything done that should have been done. So uh, crisis averted. And, and that obviously is great news for the Bills Mafia. I thought, and and I wrote this in uh, one of the texts that I sent out, that I just thought the offense was super crisp today. Like they came out, I felt like the throws that Josh Allen was were ma- was making were all like on target. Like he, they were operating at, a, at like a higher level. Uh, no interceptions today. Um, and if there was one, I didn't notice it. There was a little bit of a rain kind of uh, in the middle of practice. I had to kind of, uh, you know, we've had this one little uh, area where we stand underneath this like wooden apparatus uh, out beyond the one uh, uh, end zone. And I stand there whenever it rains. So I had to, you know, walk down there and go there. But for the most part, Ryan, the offense was so good. And a big piece of that was Stefan Diggs. And, you know, we've talked about it before. We don't talk a lot about Diggs on this podcast in a practice setting because he's so elite. It's not one of the things that I think people need a deep dive on. But today it's like, he, this is one of those days where he makes it impossible not to talk about him and feature him because he was so competitive from the jump. And I think what may have started that was Tredavious White in one-on-ones shutting him down on one of the reps early. And you know how how competitive Diggs is. I think that might have gotten him charged up a little bit. Before long, he ended up going with uh, Kyer Elam. Um, and, and Diggs got really frustrated in that exchange. I thought Elam had pretty good coverage on one rep. And... Diggs kind of came back. He starts shouting and screaming towards Kyrie Elam's way. And Elam was, to his credit, was shouting right back. And they were kind of getting into it. So that that kind of set the stage for a really competitive practice with the pads on. It almost was, You almost wonder if it's by design. Like if Stefan Diggs wants to come out there and kind of, you know, throw down the gauntlet and say, okay, meet my energy because I want a lot of, um, you know, competitiveness here out on the practice field. Yeah, and, and, you know, maybe that sparks a fire under Kyrie Elam a little bit. And not to say that it wasn't, but here's someone in the mix for that cornerback number two job. And 
uh, jawing with Stefan Diggs after getting a stop against him. And, and that back and forth can do wonders for him. Uh, one day, and then with Trey White, you know, one day ago, Diggs was 3 0 versus White in the one on ones. And they were all closely contested. Uh, White was right there, but White getting a win today might have fired up Diggs and, to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to let my uh, talk talking. Well, he's going to chirp a little bit, but he's going to let his play do his talking as well. And uh, like you said, he doesn't usually get a lot of mentions on here because making plays is nothing new for him. We, we've seen some long touchdowns already at training camp, but as dominant as he was today, it's just something that needs to come up because he is going to continue to be a huge focal piece of this offense. And he only seems to be getting better each year, Matt. Indeed. Um, I'm just checking up on the messages. We, we, it's overwhelming, Ryan. Like there's so many people that are, are really enjoying this. If you're in the comments, if you're watching on YouTube, Facebook, um, maybe even uh, leaving a review on all the audio platforms, let people know like why you like the, the, the text group. Cause we want to build this group into being this massive uh, audience where we can interact one-on-one with fans as much as possible. And sometimes even when we're not interacting one-on-one, like we're going to do later in the show, we're going to take a lot of questions that people pose and we're going to bring them into uh, the show here. And we're really excited about that. You want to sign up 716-528-6727. Send a text there. You get a two week free trial. Can't beat that. Then it's three 99 a month. Bang. You're in. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, subscribe to the show as well. So let's fast forward to the end of practice before that Allen injury and a, a, a great moment for Stefan Diggs. He beats, I believe it was Taron Johnson. And a really quick move, Allen just rifles in a touchdown pass down, working in the red zone. And Diggs gets up and just throws the ball. It goes probably about 15, 20 yards, starts spewing uh, expletives, little expletive, little rant, like, you know, like a wide receiver is going to do after he scores a big touchdown. But that just, that was the end of it, that like just putting like the exclamation point on the day of intensity and what I think the next couple of days leading into the red and blue game are going to be on the practice field. Yeah, once the pads come on, the intensity uh, ratchets, ratchets up, and it's it's just one of those things where uh, Diggs, you, you said he was fired up in the one-on-ones, and then all of a sudden uh, he ends the practice or near the end of the practice with a big touchdown catch, and he continues to let that uh, do his talking for him. He chirps a little bit. Now you know tomorrow the defense is going to want to come in and and stop him and slow him down. So this is the beauty of training camp. Iron sharpening iron, uh, guys getting better against one another as they're fighting for some roster spots, starting jobs, you name it, uh, as we get closer and closer to the preseason and obviously the regular season. Uh, I think everybody should listen to Rick Rarick in the comments. Uh, over 200 watching, only 24 likes. Let's get those likes up. Let's get everybody signed up for the text program, get you in, get us all part uh, of the action of the fun. All right, let's go to Tredavious White because I want to talk about this in detail here. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about him, and I really wanted to wait till the pads come on to really watch him with a lot of uh, great uh, detail. And I did that today, and, and I, he made it easy at times because you know he was around the plays. I think he had a lot of really good battles with Gabe Davis. Our, our good buddy Harold uh, over on YouTube mentions Gabe Davis had a great day. I agree. I think great Gabe Davis is a big reason why the crispness of this offense throughout team drills kind of stayed on schedule. And a, in a couple of those battles with Gabe Davis, I have a couple of the, uh, and Trey White, I have a couple of them written down and I want to highlight them because one question we keep getting, Ryan, is how much does Trey White look like the old Trey White? And I think today, was that first time where I felt like the speed, the burst, the re- the recovery, 
um, the physicality, the, the, the hands were all operating at that Trey white level. And there was a couple of plays. I mean, he took it from the one-on-ones into the team drills. And the first one was a throw from Allen to Davis, which was a perfect dime, like on target to Davis. He bodied out Trey white to make him not part of the play. And then all of a sudden last second, the ball cuts in Davis's hands, Trey white recovers, rips it out. Pass breakup, incomplete pass. That is a huge play for the defense. You know what I mean? Like Tre'Davious White making it. Now, a couple plays later, I told you the competitive nature of today was really high. Davis come back, comes back. It's one on one with Trey White again. Trey White has perfect coverage down the right sideline. He did everything right, and it didn't matter. Josh Allen just threw one in over the top, right out of, right over the outstretched ha- hands of Trey White. Gabe Davis makes the catch, and maybe in a game it goes for a touchdown. I think he might have actually stepped out of bounds. I, I couldn't see that angle of it. But, man, it was blow for blow, play for play. They were really competing. Trey White looked awesome. I thought Gabe Davis had a really nice day, and Diggs was kind of the energizer bunny of it all. Yeah, and listen, yesterday was not in pads, but his coverage on one play is what led to Jordan Poyer getting an interception on Josh Allen. Uh, he was playing – he played the, the uh, area correctly in terms of where he was supposed to be, the, the part of the zone – uh, taking away certain lanes, and then that caused Allen to throw that pass that Poyer was able to kind of jump on and intercept. So he's making plays like that too, and he comes in and has a, a a pass breakup today. The one thing I noticed from my two days at camp over this past weekend is White doesn't seem to be thinking about that injury anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, as they're doing the stretches, he was dancing, getting the other guys going, singing some of the lyrics to the song on Friday. And one of the days when he was down on the turf, he did one of those kip-ups to his feet. And it's just like, well, wait a minute. You know, this guy just had a, a major knee injury, uh, you know, a year and a half, two years ago, how, however long it was now from two Thanksgivings ago. And he's not thinking about it anymore. And that's that's a huge thing. It's not just the physical part, the cutting, the being able to, to kind of gain ground and move like you once did. It's also the mental side of the mental hurdles. And I, I feel like that's in the past for him, where last year at times you could see that he was going through it both physically and mentally on the field, uh, not feeling like himself, which is very common, very normal uh, in those first few games back from an ACL type of injury. Uh, but it seems like that's no longer the case, and that's great news for this Bills secondary, which is already loaded at safety. If you get Trey White playing like his old self, the, the possibilities of this unit are endless. Um, I thought Dane Jackson um, on a deep ball digs had another highlight reel. It was a bit of a wobbler, actually, from Josh Allen on this play. Dane Jackson was in coverage, uh, struggled to stay stride for stride with, with digs, which is – honestly, is what I think is going to keep Kyer Elam in this battle, even as he kind of struggles at times with some of the conceptual stuff uh, playing off. Like, even one moment today with Elam, you know, they I, I felt like Elam and, and Dane got the most work at CB2 today, uh, mostly Dane. Uh, Elam got a couple of, you know, throws in it, and maybe Benford went in too, but I didn't really notice it. The thing with Kyer is, like, He's definitely trying to, you know, get operational with it all. Like there was one play where he was kind of shouting out some commands. So I believe it was maybe Taylor Rapp or somebody at the second level, like trying to communicate, figure out, make sure that he's in the right spot. And after the play, it was like a quick play to Deontay Hardy right off the jump. And it's a completion and, and and a short completion. And I don't know if the communication was at the level that it needed to be at. And those are the things that you 
you know, you know is going to happen with Dane Jackson out there because he has the reps. He has a better understanding of what to do in this scheme. But in terms of just like good on good, like going up against elite run, like wide receivers, like Dane Jackson, a lot of times just, you know, tends to get beat like he did against Diggs. And Allen put up a wobbler. It didn't even matter. Like the coverage wasn't good enough. Diggs makes the catch, probably ends up scoring a touchdown in a real live game situation. It was a really uh, a nice play, one of the early highlights. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's something that this team has to monitor uh, in terms of that cornerback two battle, uh, in terms of what they feel is the best path for them to have success this season. Because we've talked about Dane Jackson, knows the ins and outs of the system, knows where to be, doesn't let plays get behind him. We've seen a lot from Christian Benford in a short amount of time, and, and a lot of that had to do with his knowledge of zone defense from college. Maybe in year two, he's even better than he was one year ago. I felt like he kind of fell off as the year went on, which, uh, again, rookie walls and hitting those walls is nothing new. Elam obviously has the intangibles, the upside, everything you're looking for, the closing speed, uh, if you were to be beaten. But there's something that's kind of preventing this team from really – uh, unleashing him at that cornerback two spot and, and giving him those opportunities. And hopefully in the next few weeks, uh, he can make the most of those reps and kind of put himself squarely into that uh, driver's seat, not just in the mix, but in the driver's seat to say that he belongs opposite Trey White. Because if you want your best 11 out there in terms of talent, upside, et cetera, it's hard to keep him out of that mix in the secondary. Uh, over 350 watching on YouTube live here on a Monday, late Monday afternoon. Hit that like button, subscribe to the show as well. While you're at it, get yourself a free trial of Shout uh, Buffalo Bills Insider Group Text. Text 716-528-6727. Right now, you'll get uh, to sign up. You'll get all of our texts uh, for the rest of training camp uh, and, and beyond. This thing's going to the next level. As we figure this whole thing out, it's going to be even better as we go uh, into the season a lot of exciting um ideas for what this thing is going to look like let's go to the one-on-ones here uh briefly and uh like i mentioned already i thought that Kyrie elam had a really good rep against uh digs in that one um i gotta call out one play you want to talk about speed listen micah high is going to struggle to cover deontay hardy in space i mean that's not a good matchup for 23 at his age uh, i want to say this very delicately but man is deontay hardy just looks like he's operating on just a completely different plane. He put Hyde in a bit of a blender early in the route. And then it was just like, he didn't even have to do that. He just ran away from him. Uh, big deep ball uh, brings the, the crowd to his their feet, but a huge performance from Deont Deontay Hardy in those one-on-ones. Yeah. And, and Hardy was, you know, a man, a few words when we met with him yesterday at the media tent, but he, he talks about how, you know, his speed is an asset for him. And uh, he, he thinks of the yard after catch is kind of like the, when he does kick returns and punt returns. It's, it's me versus whoever's in front of me. And I'm going to bet on myself nine times out of 10. And uh, he can create that separation with his speed, with his route running, which is pretty underrated. And this is someone that was coming off of a turf toe injury a year ago. So his value was down. But the Bills did their due diligence on him in 2021. He was excellent in the, with the New Orleans Saints uh, in terms of the deep ball, the yard after the catch. And that's something that this offense has been missing. And, you know, we talk about Davis and, and Diggs obviously being the top two. And we have high aspirations for Dalton Kincaid, who we can talk more about here in a few minutes. Another solid, solid practice. But Hardy's going to get his opportunities and, and he continues to 
uh, flash that speed, whether it's in the one-on-ones, whether it's in the uh, 11-on-11s. He's having a really strong camp, and it's looking like a real quality signing for this team. Uh, Another guy I want to talk about, we talked about uh, Ryan Vandermark yesterday. I thought today in the one-on-ones, I got to shout out uh, Richard Garage. I mean, the uh, Florida product, undrafted free agent, just looked like high level working against Kingsley Jonathan. And there was a bit of a size disparity in that matchup. And when you're starting to see these, and I shouldn't say one-on-one, these were two-on-twos. He kind of, you know, 59 Kingsley Jonathan came on an outside move. And first of all, the get off of garage to get to his set and get his hands on Jonathan, like really popped to me as you're watching these one after one uh, over, over the course of time. And then he just completely drove him out of the play. There was like no way for him to turn the corner, Jonathan, to make a play. And Garage, a lot like Vandemark. I mean, there's opportunities for these young players to come out, make an impact, maybe flash in the preseason, and then maybe make a run at a depth spot. And as much as we've talked about, you know, some of these under the radar guys like Tommy Doyle, like it's it feels like he's struggling. It's feeling like he's struggling to get his his legs back. I was, I was standing on the sideline just talking with Joe Biscaglia today. And we were talking about, you know, just a rep that Tommy Doyle just didn't look right. And you you wonder if he's like, you know, at, at that height coming off of that injury, if it's just going to take a little bit more time to get to a po- place where you trust it, when you are backing up and you got to, you know, plant your foot on the ground and, 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 and test that knee, I believe it was the ACL, right? For Doyle. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. And, he, and he played like the final five or ten snaps of that Dolphins game in week three on it. Uh, got it through that, had the surgery shortly thereafter, and has been rehabbing since. But uh, again, this goes to some of the players that we've talked about, like the Trey Whites, and uh, we, we've seen it with players across this league, offensive linemen, you name the position that's happened, Matt. It usually takes more than a year for players to get right, and you know maybe if you're looking for something concerning with this Bills team, it might be the depth at tackle. You feel good about Deion Dawkins at left tackle. Spencer Brown is quietly having a solid, solid camp. Uh, they bring in a veteran option for for right tackle and shell in terms of depth and things of that nature, but. After that, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. Questenberry can play there. He can play guard and tackle. Maybe he uh, lands on this roster for that very reason. But guys like Garage, guys like Vandemark, uh, if they continue to make splash plays throughout camp and that follows up with really good tape or reps in the preseason, they could end up sneaking onto this 53-man roster. Um, On the offensive line during team, it started to be – the usual Deion Dawkins, Connor McGovern, Mitch Morris, Ryan Bates, and then Spencer Brown. After a period or two of team, they switch. And I don't know if Mitch Morris, like maybe like ding something and, and they just took him out uh, as a precaution, or if maybe they just wanted to get this look, we'll find out tomorrow uh, when we get a chance to see them practice again. Uh, but it ended up being Bates moving over to center and then Osiris Torrance coming in at right guard. And I, I think for the most part, the offensive line played really well today. Like there weren't a lot of times where I was like, man, Josh Allen is under siege. There was one play though, that in particular that I will point out. 
And there's one every practice. Like mm-hmm. Ed Oliver just turns it up. He get he get his get off is just insane. He puts pressure on the interior right away. And I think it was working in between McGovern and Bates on the play that I'm referencing. He gets in. They blow the they blow the play dead. Which I'm giving him credit for a sack on the play. It was that good of a a, a pass rush. And I just I just wrote in here Oliver blew up this play big time in my notes. And so, you know, that that's a situation where you're happy that that something like that's going on. We've talked about Ford, Tim settle the last couple of days. You know, I thought boogie Basham looked pretty comfortable today. Uh, he got a few uh, reps as well, uh, but I think those interior battles have been really good. And I think the offensive line has been holding up for the most part. Spencer Brown has looked good. Like there's, there's not a moment where I'm, I'm looking out at a pass rush or an offensive play and saying, oh man, Spencer Brown just got eaten up in that moment. Like it hasn't happened that much. And I remember last training camp that was happening. Yeah, it was very common in last training camp to his credit, to Brandon Bean's credit, Sean McDermott, guys that have really stuck up for Spencer Brown. He was coming off of a back surgery and when he was out there, uh, it probably took some time for him to get comfortable too. So the fact that he had a full off season to work on his footwork, work on uh, most likely a lot of his game, it's paid off to date and he, and he has looked the part in terms of, you know, the O-line overall. I look forward to hearing about that tomorrow in, in regards to Moore's kind of watching for a little bit, Bates getting in there at center. I think it's important to give Bates some, some reps there though, because uh, with Mitch Morris's history and getting dinged up at times, you want someone that's had some a, a decent amount of reps snapping the ball to Allen to get in there. We've seen it in years past where guys have had to come in uh, and, and handle snaps in, in a game setting and things like that, and there have been high snaps, low snaps, you name it. So to have some, some actual reps with Allen in training camp setting, I think that that's actually a good idea to practice. Mitch Morrison, in terms of snapping to Allen, it's second nature now. It's nothing you have to worry about. So letting a guy like Bates come in here and there, uh, get some reps possibly at that position if that's what they are doing, I think it's actually a pretty smart idea. Uh, a lot of comments in here asking about middle linebacker. Not a lot to get into there. It was Terrell Bernard running mostly at the mic spot with the first team. But I will say that they were cycling in some guys. Like there were a lot of looks with, with Dotson and Bernard on the field at the same time. I noticed Um, Bernard. I I noticed the one play I did notice for him. He was out of position. Uh, It led to, I believe a Dalton Kincaid catch and it really, really good day for Dalton Kincaid. I mean, pads were on, we're still talking about him getting, um, you know, up to speed with this offense, but I thought like the one middle linebacker play of the day that really stuck out to me, I think it was a second team rep by Dotson and he read a pass play to Jordan Mims and was in the back backfield area and completely snuffed it out. Uh, would have been a tackle for a loss. He thudded him up in the backfield, like really good recognition. I didn't see a lot of that today. Um, another question I saw about the running backs, not a lot to, to get into there, they did do a little bit more work there today, but I did I did note one monster run from James Cook right out of the gate on the first run. I think it was to the right side, so that would have been behind Brown and um, Bates on the first drive. Monster run. I think it went for like 20 yards, and he was just weaving and dipping and, and, and dodging, and that was a really – like with pads on and guys actually like, you know, closing in on the football, it looks like they uh, had a really nice run there. 
Yeah, and that's good for Cook to to start off pads on a high note like that because he's been so good without them on. Uh, and with the confidence level saying he wants to be RB1, those are the types of plays you're looking for consistently in the run game. Uh, hopefully getting him the ball in terms of catching it as well. Uh, Harris, maybe nothing today, but you and I both saw in some short yardage here over the first few days of camp getting involved. The Bills have a plan for these guys, and it, you know, the backs at training camp might not get as much of the love or the recognition because they're working on elements with the passing game. They're working on getting in a lot of new weapons in the passing game. Hardy, Kincaid, Sherfield, you name it. So uh, while they do have some new backs back there in Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, it's just something where they're probably emphasizing the run right now. Uh, I want to... Speaking of Kincaid, though, real quick, let's go back to him. Uh, there was one play that I wanted to highlight that I am going to probably write about, and he found himself in some, you know, had to put on his big boy pants for a play and got out into space, and there waiting for him one-on-one -on -one in coverage was number 58, Matt Milano. And so you start to look at that rep and zero in on it and say, okay, how is he going to handle this? First, first team versus first team, this is a really tough – moment for him and man did he make one quick deliberate move got a little separation josh allen found him he gets upfield gets a nice thud from matt milano on the end of it but just a, a, a under the radar play that like didn't go for big yardage but it's like a chain moving type play that i thought was really really good and i just think he looks so comfortable out there in anything that they're asking him to do. I think there was one play where maybe he was asked to do something different in individuals yesterday or the day, or the day before or earlier in practice. And um, he went back and did it. And it, that's the one thing it seems like, you know, Brandon Bean said it back in the, in, in the spring. He's one of those guys where you tell him how to do something once or fix it once. And he usually finds a way to do that. And that's maybe what's so impressive about him. Everyone knows about the great hands and what he could do at the college level to, to be able to absorb this playbook already. And, and again, small sample size training camp, who, you know, the bills will evaluate him in their own sense, but he's done everything that they've asked. He's found ways to get open every single practice, make plays, uh, looking smooth with the route running, uh, looking great with his hands, Although I did see he bobbled one today, but did haul it in nonetheless. Um, really showing that uh, he looks like he's going to be a, a vital part of this offense right out of the gate. It shows why Brandon Bean was so high on him as well. So, so far, so good for Buffalo's first round pick. I can't believe we got this far. And we didn't talk about this yet. Damar Hamlin. Yes. Um, first padded practice today was just. First and foremost, it's just cool to see him out there. I mean, that's, I think, you know, Eric Washington before practice, when we got a chance to talk to him, you know, he mentioned just as like, it's just being thankful for this moment for him, a, a guy that's put in so much to get back to this point. And he talked about, you know, what it was like out there in pads, knowing that the contact was possible, probable, and there was a moment of contact later in practice with Damian Harris. And it's just like he's still fighting through the, you know, the feelings of it all, right? Like the fear of it all. But he keeps kind of going back to the fact that, you know, this was a once in a million type of hit, like perfect spot, perfect time, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, he's fighting through it. And he really credited his teammates, um, the coaching staff, and then the fans just being there, like going through this together. He joked like this would probably be better and easier to go through it like under a rock so he can kind of 
come out from under the rock when he kind of goes through all these moments and, and feels a hundred percent confident, but he's going through it, you know, in front of everybody. And um, it, it seemed like, you know, today was another step in the process of him trying to, you know, make this team. Yeah. Listen, this was the next hurdle that was in his path, man. That was putting on pads and a really good article from Peter King today on the MMQ or on uh, NBC sports he used to be MMQB on NBC sports. And he talked to Dane Jackson in the interview and Dane is one of DeMar's best friends. And Dane says, you know, this is something he's been looking forward to. He's never said anything about not wanting to play. It's just one of those hurdles that were coming up. And, and now, you know, the first day in pads, Mission accomplished, had family there, had his agent there. This is good. This is all to help him kind of clear any hurdles, mental or physical, that are left in his way as he is fighting. Uh, and and fighting is a good way of putting it for a roster spot on this team because we know Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are locked in as the top two. We know for a fact, you know, they brought in Taylor Rapp for a reason, the starting reps, the opportunities to play, things of that nature. So then it comes to, you know, that fourth safety. And, I, you know, I think Hamlin's in the driver's seat, all things considered. But you have guys like Dean Marlowe who, who know the system in and out. So it's important for him to get on the field. And, you know, such such a feel-good story nationally. Uh, but great, obviously, those of us that have covered him to see him out there and see this progression from where uh, you know, we were just back in January. Scott Blakely just joined the uh, Shout Buffalo Bills Insider Text Club yesterday. So he's been getting all these texts this morning, and he is a big fan. Dropping not only joining the Insiders, but giving us a four ninety nine super chat. So I had to get it up on the screen here. First day on the Text Club, worth every penny. Well done, guys. So insanely informed. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring, you know, a deeper level of understanding for this team uh throughout our coverage throughout the season and it's only gonna get better and better as we get more comfortable with it uh text 716-528-6727 716-528-6727 that will send you back a, a message and it'll give you the instructions on how to sign up and then boom ryan you're in boom you're in uh and matt i, I wanted to get uh, your thoughts on the safety rotation the safety jobs we had a uh, Someone in the subtext group, Aiden, asked about that yesterday. I said we would get to it today. So your thoughts on, you know, Hamlin, where he is in the pecking order right now, uh, how things are kind of shaking out there in that safety room. Yeah, so when the first team has been on the field, that first set of snaps for the first team, it's been Poyer and Micah Hyde consistently. And that's what you're going to see, right? Like you you hope if you're a Bills fan that, that those guys go make it through training camp, the preseason, no injuries. Um, Taylor Rapp and DeMar have been, and, and even Dean Marlowe to a degree, have been worked in with the ones when they go into that second phase. Like once they run first team, second team, third team, then they start the ones back again. Sometimes they'll like, they'll sub in some other players. And we've seen Taylor Rapp a couple times, uh, DeMar and, and Dean a couple times, but it hasn't been super consistent. And I, I think for Taylor Rapp, it's just still about the download of the defense and figuring out what they're going to do with him. I haven't seen anything crazy in terms of usage for him. So if anything, any type of hybrid type plans for him, we haven't seen it on display. But I will say that it was interesting. I was listening to Taron Johnson. I believe he was on Rochester's radio a couple of days ago and he was asked a question about Sean McDermott running the defense and how if anything was going to be different and he did mention like you know maybe you will see some some dime looks or some six uh DB looks on the field this season because of his kind of hybrid role is like almost like a linebacker corner and then you know you probably think about maybe getting a chance 
for rap to get on the field if Hyde and Poyer are there. So they haven't had any like crazy um, type packages that they've thrown out there yet, but it's early and I don't know if they want to tip their hand in any of that stuff. Yeah, that, that's the other thing. You, some packages, some wrinkles are going to be kept behind closed doors because um, while we're there, you know, the, the fans in the stands can be, they're not supposed to be, but they can be recording and they're sharing things. There's certain plays you don't want uh, the, the league knowing about, other teams knowing about. So certain packages, certain plays will be kept behind closed doors. Nearly 500 watching on YouTube right now, Ryan. This is impressive. At 2.53 on a Monday afternoon, the pads are on, the takes are hot. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel as well. All right, where, where, where do you want to go next, Ryan? Well, let, let's hit up some comments in here. Uh, and I've seen in here about Khalil Shakir. And yeah. also um, there was one, where did it go on me? Sheila, there she is. Shane Ray, someone, you know, that's intriguing on both sides of the ball. We've had a lot of Shakir questions in, in our subtext group too. Um, and Sheila is a subtext member, as is John. So let's hit their questions up. Let's start with Shakir. Um, I think Shakir for me, the way that this is going, I feel like there's going to be like a Shakir in the slot, maybe to start games. I don't know. This is just a gut feeling. This hasn't anything based on, you know, usage or anything like this. And Deontay Hardy using more of that like specialist role on offense, like that gadget guy. Not to say that he's not going to then pivot into the slot, like especially like matchup specific, but I feel like we've seen a lot of Khalil Shakir, you know, mixing in in the first team, and a lot of that comes in the slot. Now, depending on what happens with Gabe and, and Stefan Diggs in the field, like Shakir is out there, he can also be used on the outside as well. But I think it's been really interesting um, to see how much Khalil Shakir remains as part of things with the first team. Um, and I think that that's going to get settled even further once we see them in games. I think we're going to see a lot of Sherfield, Hardy, and Shakir in the preseason games and Shorter as well. I know there was a question about Shorter. Wasn't a lot for Shorter today. I didn't notice him. Yeah, and when people ask me about Shakir, I said he's been solid. I mean, he, there's not like the Stefan Diggs type plays where we're like, man, what a superstar, things like that. And this is a second-year player. This is someone – who has, is going to have a limited role most likely with Davis and, and Diggs as your top two. But he's been solid at camp. He's won some battles. He's looked good in the one-on-ones. He's He looks like he's taking that next step from year one to year two, so I like that. Shorter, uh, like you said, you know, maybe not much today, but he, he's flashed a few times as well. And then on the other side of the ball, Matt, what about Shane Ray? Yeah, Shane Ray, man, you do see his speed. But, I mean, I, I, I can't take it super seriously until we see him get up off that third team. And I just don't know what the path to that is. And I think that they're probably okay with that. To be honest with you, if they have to come down on a decision between like a boogie and an AJ, if that ends up coming down, if they really like keeping maybe Shaq on the roster, like I do think there's a path to getting Ray on the practice squad and having him be somebody that continues to get comfortable in the defense. Again, they just are onboarding him and Letter and Floyd from the spring. So uh, early summer for Floyd and, and Eric Washington mentioned that today. So um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see a path to, to the roster for Ray, just because I think that they're going to give every opportunity to their guys. And 
interestingly enough, Brandon Bean uh, did uh, NFL Network today, and he was asked about Vaughn's timeline, and he said the Bills aren't ruling out him being ready for week one. Uh, so if he's ready for week one and he doesn't go on pop, that really changes the d- dynamic of things a little bit. The other piece to – and I think we got a question from – we could kind of transition to this one from our good buddy, Michael in Kentucky yes. on the text line. He asked the question, um, if none of the current healthy players get hurt on the defensive line. So if you're looking at across the board right now, Von Miller's working his way back, Jordan Phillips working his way back. Does Jordan Phillips play uh, down for the bills this season? And I think what he means by that is like, maybe just keep him uh, in bubble wrap in case you need him type of situation. I think that's interesting because I, I hadn't put in a lot of thought into Jordan Phillips being like starting the year on pop list, but if he does, like he has not taken a snap yet. Do you go into a situation where like 2021, the bills kept 11 defensive tackles, right? They kept, uh, that was the Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, yeah. Vernon Butler, uh, defense D lineman. There's a situation where you could keep maybe six edge rushers. That gives you a situation to keep maybe like a shack, uh, Von Miller, even say if he's healthy, um, Greg Russo, Boogie Basham, Epinesa, and then maybe like a Kingsley Jonathan or or a Shane Ray or somebody else in the mix there. And then you could keep five defensive tackles. Then all of a sudden you have um, or or even four, you keep seven edge rushers if you want to start Jordan Phillips on pop to my point. Uh, I think there's a lot of options in there with with Shaq and or with uh, Von Miller and Jordan Phillips, their kind of status for the start unknown. Yeah, and listen, if he doesn't play at all during training camp preseason, the pup list for four weeks is not a bad option. But you have so much talent in front of him just at defensive tackle at Oliver Daquan Jones. We talked a lot about Tim Settle yesterday. Uh, we really like what Puna Ford has brought. That's four D tackles right there. And you mentioned the D linemen or the pass rushers, and you have Vaughn and Rousseau and uh, Leonard Floyd in the mix, and obviously uh, Epinesa coming off six and a half, Shaq. The list goes on and on. There's going to be some really tough cuts uh, at D end, at defensive tackle. Um, and, and some of these guys, you're going to hope that you can sneak onto the practice squad. Some, in the case of a Phillips, you might be able to get onto that pup for four weeks. And if an injury pops up when he's healthy, he might be able to get back in. But some talented players are going to get let go. And I'm not sitting here saying that is what's going to happen to Phillips, for instance. Uh, but going back to the Shane Ray point, you know, Shane Ray was in the CFL for, I believe, the last two seasons. Um, so the Bills probably do feel like, okay, he's someone that we can get on the practice squad. And like you said, Get, let him have some more time to absorb that uh, playbook. And if an injury pops up, he's someone that can get signed to the 53 man roster or elevated if it's a short term deal to show what he can do. But there weren't a lot of people knocking down his door leading up to the Bills signing him. So, you know, you, you kind of weigh it case by case. If someone really shines at camp and, and earns a job on the 53, there's not, not much you can do about it because then you risk losing them. But uh, a case like a Ray, you can probably sneak onto the practice squad. But Jordan Phillips, you know, the longer he's out and the more these defensive tackles shine, the harder it's going to be for him to have an, an every down or a role whatsoever on this team. I wanted to bring something up here real quick. Let me see if I could find it quickly. Um, Mike Sando from The Athletic, he does a column before every season, right around this time. He just released it, I think, today. And it's the quarterback tiers. And he gets mm-hmm. uh, feedback from uh, NFL executives, coaches in the league, and and writes about it. 
So it came out and there's five quarterbacks in tier one. Did you see this story yet or no? I saw some of the comments about it. I have not read the story itself though. So do you know what, which quarterbacks are in tier one? And this is based on interviews that he does with executives and they all vote on it. It's like a survey. And then at the right. end, he like compiles all the results. No, I just saw the comment from an executive saying that he had him as like a high tier two type player. Yeah, I want to get to that. I want to talk about that. But the, the five quarterbacks listed are Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, and Justin Herbert, which I think is interesting. Tier two, mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Stafford, Watson, and Cousins. Um, here's what was written about Josh Allen. Um, one ex or one exec said the turnovers are what people harp on, but he put together another year where he overcame the accuracy flaws that plagued him coming out of college. And he fought through adversity when they lost some star players like Von Miller. He's a guy I can firmly say you win because of now, instead of you win with uh, a defensive coordinator says he's legitimate in terms of tier one uh, for Allen. He can beat you with his arm. His all the arm strength, his accuracy has improved, but he also can beat you running. He's a big boy, similar to Mahomes, but he is going to take off. It is like trying to tackle a tight end. I'm not, and this was the one, the one that you commented on. Um, a coordinator said, I'm not sure he can win you a game as a drop back passer consistently, which is part of the tier one description. I think Allen, Lamar and Jalen all fit into that high tier two category. The running is a weapon, but if you are down two scores or 10 points, you might have an issue. What are your thoughts on that? I, I think it's kind of wild. First of all, the whole 10 point comment, things like that. Um, the Bills had some pretty sizable comebacks last year. The Ravens game comes to mind specifically. And Allen was really good coming back from uh, being down early in that game by double digits. Uh, I've seen him consistently be a terrific passer for this team. The, the big flaw for them has been the offensive line play in front of him and, and breakdowns immediately where he has to go off of his mark. And by the end of the season, it kind of um, messes with his confidence a little bit. And he maybe leaves the pocket earlier than he has to. But I've seen him, enough of him in, in the past few seasons to say that, yes, he can consistently win you games as a pocket passer. I don't understand necessarily being penalized for his ability to be able to use his legs, to move the chains, to make plays. Uh, that doesn't make too much sense to me. What about you? I, I just, I just don't like it. And it's, and it's weird. Like you notice in this write up from Sando, and this isn't an indictment on Sando, but none of the quoted uh, executives or coaches mentioned the injury from last year, which right. I think should be something that's added um, when talking about maybe what affected his play. And if you look at, I mean, you only have to go back. What is it? 20 games to that run that he had in the playoffs when really operationally against the chiefs and against new England, he was one, he put up one of the scariest passing performances over the course of eight quarters that I think yeah. anybody's ever seen. So I think like it's gotta be part of the conversation, right? Like you can't just say, that that he didn't do that and that was like at the end of Cole Beasley as Cole Beasley was kind of like you know being phased out of the offense a little bit and now they're trying to reimagine re it was that was at the end of the day bowl era so if you want to like maybe come back with well we haven't seen that kind of consistent passing under Dorsey I'd kind of listen to that a little bit more but I also think that the Bills have self-scouted and have brought in really good weapons to kind of combat where maybe they fell short a little bit last year. But again, 
he was still one of the scariest passing quarterbacks in the league last year. And I, I don't necessarily think that a healthy Josh Allen regresses with a second year play caller. Now underst- understanding and cohesiveness a little bit more, um, you know, in tune with each other. And then a very motivated wide receiver one who's talking about taking advantage of this window, not only for the bills, but for himself as an aging wide receiver. Yeah, healthy Josh Allen, year two Ken Dorsey, superstar receiver in Diggs, a better supporting cast around him in, in general at wide receiver, a healthy Gabe Davis, Hardy that we've mentioned, Sherfield, obviously Kincaid, who looks like he's in for a big role, Dawson Knox. And by the way, the offensive line, at least on paper, is much improved too. So there's a lot of reasons to believe that, you know, Allen is in line for a big, big season. And, uh, that's with a lot of things around him getting better. That's with him being healthier. Uh, and I think that uh, Bills fans know exactly where Allen falls at the end of the day. They don't need any kind of uh, story from Mike Sandow or the athletic to know that Allen is the elite of the elite. Any other questions before we get out of here? Not that I'm seeing. So listen, if you got questions and you want us to answer them, guess what? Text us. And we will get back to you later today. Uh, we'll we'll either bring them to the show tomorrow or Ryan or I will actually text you back directly to answer your question. Text 716-528-6727. That makes you a Buffalo, a Shout Buffalo Bills insider. Get access to Ryan and me. We'll give you all of our coverage all throughout training camp and beyond. We're taking this thing to the next level even after training camp. And don't you dare leave this room without liking the video and subscribing to the channel. We appreciate you all. Thank you for joining us. Ryan, I'll give you the final word today. Yeah, you final word. Flub yesterday at the end of the show. <laughs> no, final word. I just wanted to thank the Bills Moth for all their support. Uh, going through the, this new subtext group has been a lot of fun, getting back uh, the back and forth with the fans, even on, but also here on YouTube, also on the podcast platforms, reading the comments, responding there. Uh, your support means a great deal to Matt and myself. Uh, it's been a lot of fun doing this and uh again thank you thank you thank you all right that'll do it he's ryan i'm matt see you tomorrow another practice take care everybody